Tiso Pop Season 4 Episode 10. Hello and welcome to TESOL Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about graphic facilitation is Emily Bryson. Emily has been working in the ELT industry for 20 years. She is one of the authors of National Geographic Learning's Voices series and a guest blogger for the ELECOM, formerly ESL library, as well as a teacher educator. She's based in Glasgow, Scotland, where she teaches ESOL and ESOL literacy to people from refugee backgrounds. Her passion is graphic facilitation or using simple drawings to support learning. She has created a range of training courses on this topic, specifically tailored to the needs of ELT professionals, which has been described as the nicest corner of the internet. Well, that's a lovely compliment. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you for your Hi, time. Good to have you. Yeah, I loved that compliment. It was, <laughs> it was one of the best testimonials I've had, the nicest corner of the internet. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what graphic facilitation is, its benefits, as well as unpack activities that you can adapt to try in your classes, whether you teach adults online or teach young learners face-to-face. To take part in some of the activities we'll be sharing, you will need paper and a pencil. A good place for us to start then, Emily, is to define what graphic facilitation is. What is it? Uh, so graphic facilitation is basically the use of simple drawings and iconography to help people process information, make plans, brainstorm ideas and focus their thoughts. So it's got its, its roots in design industries. So it's been around for years. Started off maybe in engineering, business and um, architecture. So when you think about it, lots of people have this idea that drawing is for kids. And I think a lot of people do stop drawing. Actually, there's research to show that the majority of people do stop drawing after school, which is exactly what I did. But in actual fact, drawings are used, like the house that I'm in right now wouldn't be built if it wasn't for somebody drawing it. The computer that we're talking on right now and recording this on wouldn't have been built or designed without drawings as well. So it's really important to get students drawing. But yeah, so graphic facilitation basically uses simple icons and drawings and things like arrows and containers. So for example, a container would be maybe a picture of a notebook, which is drawn quite large so that students can add their ideas. Or you can maybe demo on the whiteboard how to lay out the notebook. And then we've got things like visual templates. So visual template would be, for example, I'm going to talk you through some visual templates later would maybe be an, a very large um, arrow, for example, to point out to the future, maybe a mountain to show um, challenges, maybe a visual capture sheet, which would um, give it that visual capture sheets basically capture information from people. So, for example, instead of a survey, you could uh, give a visual and then people write in it in the annotation tools. I quite like doing that in my webinars, um, showing a picture with some containers of the kind of feedback that I would like to get for them to capture information. And the, the beauty of graphic facilitation is that it's not art, it's communication. It's actually a visual vocabulary. Um, so it's a case of just like learning a language, you learn how to draw different icons. So actually it was only a few years ago that I got into graphic facilitation. And it's only a few years ago that I've kind of started drawing again. I mentioned that I stopped drawing when I was at high school and then didn't really draw again until maybe a few years ago when I went to a graphic facilitation workshop. And then after that, I was just absolutely hooked. So I've just been learning how to use graphic facilitation in the classroom and developing my own visual vocabulary. So that's basically learning how to draw key icons. If you go to my website, you'll start noticing in my sketch notes that 
I use quite a lot of the same icons over and over again, like, for example, the light bulb or the magnifying glass or uh, the notebook, for example. It's almost like you've got your own little vocabulary book that you've yeah. developed. And I imagine your students also become familiar with that too. And yes. you kind of build in these images and icons, like you say, into your classes and students are like, oh, okay, we're going to do a brainstorm session or idea session with this light bulb is now shown on the screen or in the book or notebook. So I did a bit of in-action research this year. Um, so for years, I've actually been actively encouraging my learners to draw in class. And I kind of thought, I'm going to not do that this year. I'm going to just see what they do rather than being that teacher, just in case I was kind of pestering them a little bit. <laughs> so, Or like, oh man, I wish you would stop asking me to draw. So I just thought, I'm not going to ask them to draw. And actually, over time, they just started drawing in their notebooks naturally because they knew it was a safe space to draw and to copy the icons that I've been drawing on the whiteboard. And they could see from the way that I was drawing them that they were really simple. So yeah, yeah, they've kind of developed their own visual vocabulary through me as well. It's almost like a really good learner training, isn't it? So maybe they can take more time processing the notes and thinking about more meaningfully how they can record things from their lessons and then help that with the review process, right? Yeah, and actually I teach adult literacy learners who some of them don't have scripts in their first language. So when it comes to saying, when they're learning new vocabulary and then you say to them, you'd be able to say to most learners, can you just write a translation for that in your notebook? My learners, some of them can't do that. But if they can draw a very simple icon that they've copied from the whiteboard, then they can take their notebooks home later in the day and they can read over it and remember what words that actually means. So that's been absolutely invaluable. We've talked about equipping students with different tools to take meaningful notes. And then you just mentioned their accessibility. Yeah. Are there any other benefits that you'd like to share associated with graphic facilitation in, in the language context? So, yeah, one of the main things is accessibility. So I quite like using it for rubrics, for example. I know for sure that they've understood if I've given them uh, drawn a, an icon. It, it reduces processing load. So if you've given students a text then that's a lot of information to take in, especially if your learners have literacy needs or maybe if they've got dyslexia. If you give them infographics or help them to take that text and make it into their own infographic or sketch note, then that helps them reduce processing load. I also quite like to use things like graphic organizers for listening, for example. So when students are listening, we quite often give them questions, full questions. So they have to read the question and listen to the text at the same time, listen to the audio at the same time. Which is impossible to do at the same time, right? Yeah, right. So if you give them a graphic organizer, which maybe just has five words on it, and an icon beside each word to represent what each word stands for, so each question is represented by an icon and a word, then that's your processing load instantly reduced. And then they're listening for listening's sake, not for the kind of inauthentic... English language teaching version of listening, which is listen and answer the questions. We're going to now move on to the activities because Emily has three activities to share with us. So remember at the start of this episode, I asked you to have pen and paper ready or whatever drawing tools you have that you can grab nearby. So this is the moment to get them. So Emily, which activities have you prepared for us today? Okay, so the first one is a roadmap. And I've chosen the roadmap because it's kind of ubiquitous in graphic facilitation. You can use it in so many ways. You can use it to reflect and look back on things. You can use it to plan, so like to plan out your future or plan 
if you're teaching business students, maybe plan the like business strategy, for example. If you draw two lines, yeah. two parallel lines, horizontally, and then in the middle, just draw some little dashes. Mm-hmm. And that's your roadmap. That could be a very simple roadmap. And you could just have an arrow from left to right to show the direction of travel. And then you could have your career path there or your strategy or your stages. It could be your curriculum for the, the coming year. What bits, what bits of the course are coming up? What's coming next? And then they can tick it off as they've done each lesson, for example. That's super simple. Like you said at the start, like it's not art. You don't have to be an artist. It's just using simple shapes and icons to to convey things. So that's the first one. And I already feel quite confident already. What's the second one that you'd like to share? Okay, the next one is a feedback theory. So I don't know about you, but whenever I get feedback in the form of an email saying, please complete this survey, how do you feel? I mean, I don't know about you, it's just not the most enticing, is it? To just, no, it's uh, really not. How long is this going to take? How many yeah. questions is it? Click the multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> but what I found when I shared this feedback theory, and I actually got it as an idea from the Scottish Refugee Council when I was working there, the trainer there drew a theory on the whiteboard. And the theory was holding a toolbox. The toolbox was to represent the tools or the key takeaways. Mm-hmm. And then she also had a speech bubble. So things you would tell other people. And she had a kind of thought bubble. And then the thought bubble was, what did you think? Uh, she was holding a magic wand, which is why she's a fairy. And the magic wand was to say, what, what would you wish for? So it's a kind of nicer, softer way of saying, I felt this was missing or this wasn't great and I'd prefer it if you'd done it this way. And then the bin you could have a bin at the side for, I really didn't like this. Please don't ever do this again. <laughs> but it just adds a bit of fun to, I wanted to chuck this in the bin rather than, oh, I didn't like this, which just feels a bit too negative, which you would maybe get in a survey. I like to do this at the end of my webinars. Uh, using the annotation tools in Zoom or the annotation tools on whatever platform you use. Or you can draw it on a whiteboard or a flip chart and then just get people to add their ideas on post-it notes. Some people have said, oh, feedback fairy, isn't a feedback fairy a little childish? Coming back to this idea of drawings being childish, I think it's inspirational and nice idea and adds a bit of magic. But if you feel like your participants aren't going to respond very well to a fairy, you could just use the containers themselves, like the speech bubble, the thought bubble, the bin, the toolbox. So we've talked about the roadmap and we've just done the feedback fairy. What's the third and final activity that you'd like to share? I'll just dictate some containers to you. If you draw a rectangle mm-hmm. and the two vertical lines are long and yeah. the two horizontal lines are shorter. And then down the side of the left hand, just draw draw little U's down the left hand line. Yep. Yeah, what is it? It looks like a little notebook. Yeah, it's page a page of a ring binder one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of my learners haven't had a lot of educational history. Some of them have only gone to school for a few years. So I'm teaching them study skills. And some of them don't really know how to lay out their notebooks. So I like to draw this notebook really big on the whiteboard. And then all the work that I want them to do can be copied from how I want it laid out. Before we wrap up today, I know 
some teachers will be thinking, oh, I could use this on my whiteboard, but others may be like, oh, it's not going to be so easy for me to do drawings in class for everyone to see it. Do you have any tips for different resources or props that could help teachers who want to use graphic facilitation in their classes? The best thing about graphic facilitation is that all you really need is a pen or paper or a whiteboard and a whiteboard marker. But if you want to get a bit more techy about it, and I've found that over time I've got more and more tech. Uh, so a visualizer is a doc, basically a document camera which takes a picture of whatever it's pointed at, really. And it generally points at your desk. And then I put an A3 piece of paper on it. And then it, you can demonstrate the drawings or the visual templates or take notes for the learners or just do whatever you would normally do on a whiteboard. It's a nice way of um, doing things online as well. Something a bit different to just Zoom whiteboards, for example. Yeah. Or you could point your webcam at your wall and stick a flip chart to it. So you can do that. I've just stuck mine up with uh, panel pins, which are small nails. Ask your... <laughs> just check before you do that, obviously. Um, or you can use um, paper tape or masking tape to stick it to the wall. If you do that, make the masking tape a little bit less sticky um, by sticking it to your clothes first. Again, check. Uh, yeah, so there's lots of different ways. Or you can, if you've got an iPad or an Android tablet or a laptop that has drawing capabilities, then you could maybe download an app. I like to use Adobe Fresco. But for iPad users, maybe Procreate, I've heard is good. Thank you so much, Emily, for your time today and for sharing these really inspiring ideas and ways in which we can use graphic facilitation. I'm really excited to try it out in my online classes. So thank you so much. No, good. If you'd like to find out more about graphic facilitation, you can follow Emily on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Her social media handle is at Emily Bryson ELT. And of course, as always, I'm going to hyperlink that on the TESOL POP website so you can find it more easily. She posts drawing tips, teaching ideas, sketch notes and teacher development videos there. As always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch, then you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram or the website tesolpop.com. If you love what we do at TESOLPOP, then you can support us by posting a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts, sharing content with your teaching community, or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko-fi.com forward slash tesolpop. We'd most certainly appreciate that. And that link will also be on the website. <music>